Quarantime, episode 29. Uh, the intro music you were just listening to is a song called The Internet off of my good buddy Alex Russick's new EP, Zemblanity. You should definitely check it out. It's really awesome. That will be, you know, that will be my intro song for now while I wait for one of the three musicians I've been waiting since the beginning of this pandemic to send me the quarantine theme they've each told me they'd make for me. But, uh, you know, it'll come eventually. I just, I was listening to some podcasts and that intro music, you know, you may think it doesn't really matter, but it brings you into it a little bit. I feel like it brings you in. So I hope that the internet, which is a very cool song, brought you into this. I hope that uh, when I get the theme from any of the three musicians who said they would make it for me, uh, Russick, who made uh, the song you just listened to being one of them, that that will help bring you into the show. And I hope you're brought into the show right now by this overlong intro about intro music. Uh, we've got an awesome episode for you today. Uh, I have a very special guest, kind of a minor celebrity right now, uh, Pete Suval. Now, Pete, if you're a part of the stand-up community, uh, you've probably heard that Pete uh, is one of the people who caught coronavirus, and um, he released a really amazing podcast episode on his awesome show, The Blackout Pod, uh, all about you know what he's been going through with the coronavirus. I really I can't recommend listening to listening to the show in general, but listening to that episode specifically, I found it extremely informative and helpful for me, who's you know terrified of this. It didn't make me any less terrified of it, but uh, but I found it informative. Um, we talk we talk about it a little bit on here, um, but you know if you listen to this show, you'll know that a lot of it is just me trying to you know perform or, or spout to my guest. I try you know I originally tried doing this podcast completely by myself, but uh, I struggled without having a person to talk to. Um, but when I have someone to talk to, you know, I'm able to be funny. So I really bring the guests on as just a bouncing board for me to speak. I know this isn't convincing you to keep listening. And Pete and I do talk about his experience with coronavirus. And Pete, Pete does share a lot of interesting things. And honestly, all my guests share interesting things. It's just I, I am being I am being forthcoming about my purpose for bringing on guests, uh, which if you're a listener to the show, you've, you've already more than figured out. Um, but uh, a really great episode, you know, Pete and I became friends and we talk, I talk about the first time we met uh, on the show, but uh, we, you know, Pete used to, Pete, I mean, Pete's a stand up and I see him all around, but he used to go to Bert's back room a lot, which was the place that I hosted the most of anywhere I hosted. And um, we become really good friends. I, I love this guy. Uh, he's a really cool guy. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop talking and uh, and play the show. Um, so without further ado, episode 29 of Quarantine with the very funny Pete Suval. Yeah, this is like it's more like three months old. Yeah, I mean, I started it yeah. right at the start of the pandemic, and then I let it go away for a month because you know everyone was protesting, and I was like, it feels like whatever. It felt, you know, what it was. It felt like whatever the the first chapter of the quarantine was ended and i didn't yeah. really know what the world was going to be going forward so i pressed pause and then it just yeah. kind of returned to a much sadder version of the first <laughs> chapter and now that's where we are 
we're in the sadder we're in the set it was like a sequel you know it was like yeah it was like it was like all right that was okay and now we're in the second one it's like all right this is a lot of the same stuff but it's just not as good anymore <laughs> it's funny yeah my mine kind of did the same thing because i like i was recording an episode every day and then i started i, was like, I'm I started with that as well yeah and then i was like i'm out of guests <laughs> So quick, I'm out of guests. And uh, yeah. well, where was where was my invite? I know I was a guest. I didn't know if you. I did, well, like there were yeah. This, so I tried to do like a new person, and then after like four weeks, I was like, "That's so many people." I just had thirty people, I, and <laughs> it was like the steady decline of people not listening because it's the same. You talk about the same thing every day. Um, so, I had uh, I had Seth Lawrence on. I think three times, not because I think Seth is a great guest, but because I think I'm great when talking to Seth. And, this, and my show is, as you can imagine, my show is purely about how I feel about myself on it. <laughs> the more the guest overshadows me, the less likely I'm going to ever invite them back. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair. That's a good, well, I mean, it works, it works for Joe Rogan, you Does know, it? he fucking, yeah. I, by the way, I can't record on GarageBand. It's not letting me record. Is that okay? Oh, are you? Uh, do you or, oh, you're not doing. Okay, so so I'm not gonna get good audio. I'm just relying on the the Zoom audio. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I is that okay? I, I accept it. I accept it. Okay. It won't <laughs> let me record from my shitty Bluetooth mm, thing. I, uh, I'm trying to do the input, and it's not showing me my input from my fucking microphone. I could walk you through it, but you know what? I'll, I'll accept the, I mean, I've, I've done two episodes with good audio and the majority of the show has been the, uh, has been the Zoom audio. Okay, and deal. 40 right. people have listened. 40 people yeah, have suffered there we go. through Fuck yeah. this broken Zoom audio. Dude, it's, <laughs> it's great. Fucking, you look skinny. Thank you, I, you know what, I have, uh, I've tried to do as many things as um, I could to, to, to self-improve during this and uh, dieting and exercising every day has been uh, one yeah. of them. So uh, I appreciate, I appreciate you noticing. I mean, you always, I remember, you know, it's so funny. The very, fr like, like, it's interesting, you know, I could, I, we've met so many people in the open mic world. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, always, it always blows my mind how many I know. It was funny that you were saying you were having trouble getting guests because like, I'm struggling with the fact that people are asking to be on the show. And I'm like, I'm going to get to you like in the same way, like I'm running a, a show. Oh, again. that's cool. Um, yeah. And it's like taking me way longer to get to people than, um, than I'd have hoped. But, um, but, you're one of like the few comics who I very distinctly remember the first time uh, I ever saw you. Um, like, like, you know, so, so many, there are just a few people who like, it just it imprints on my mind. First off, because it was like, you know, Zap Burtz, of course, of course it was Zap yeah. Burtz. And uh, I saw you and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? 
uh, which I think was a lot of people's first thought when they when they saw you. <laughs> that's, that's like my mom's first thought when she still sees me every day. She's like, who the fuck is this guy? Well, it's like it's like you're all tatted up and then you got the big shirt on and, huh? and you're like better looking than most male comics. And it's, and and it's yeah, and it's yeah. and it's something you notice that Pete seems like, you know, you know, a lot of us are doing this because of some misguided idea that it's going to land us women. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, so it's like, so why is this guy doing it? This guy looks like, like a magnet. And then you get up there and you called yourself an LA two. Like that was, that was your joke about how you're an LA two. And I, I still think that. I went up after you. I'm like, if you're an LA two, what am I? An LA negative 11. <laughs> <laughs> I still dude. I, the thing, and granted, I'd never have really like gone through LA single, but like no one paid attention to me, male, woman, trans, no one pays attention to me in Los Angeles. And so there's no, and no one pays attention to me most places. And maybe I just don't really like have my receptors open to that kind of shit. But no like, pays attention to you because you're at an open mic, a very specifically designed place to get people to actively not pay attention to you. That's true. That's true. That's very true. The beauty of an open mic is it's a place where you have nothing to do but pay attention to the person speaking. And so because of that, when you're up there speaking, it becomes the most apparent that people aren't paying attention to you. Dude, it is, it's bizarre to think that I was, I was in LA for a year and the entirety of that year, give or take one or two days, I was at five to 25 minutes of open mics every single day. And that's all I did. That's all I did. I would go to the gym and then I would go to open mics and that's fucking it. Sounds and like I, a life to me. Uh, that's what I was just about to say. <laughs> I would, I would kill somebody to do that again. I would literally, I would. If somebody were like, "You have to murder somebody," I'd be like, "Give me his neck so I can ring it right now. I want it back so bad." I, th- you know, there was a great tweet. I, I don't remember who did it. It wasn't someone we know, but uh, do you know that movie, The Box? That movie. No. It's, uh, uh, it's this Richard Kelly movie, the guy that made uh, Donnie Darko. And it's all about how, like, these people are given this box with a button in it. And if they hit the button, it kills a random person that they don't know, but they get a million dollars. And the oh. question, and the question was like, would you press the button? Somebody just totally random dies and you're rich. Um, and the tweet was like, you know, that was, they were talking about how it was like such a, like a, a complex moral issue for these people. Meanwhile, people right now are like hitting the box to go to Denny's. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, so true. The reality is we're oh hitting the box God. to go to Denny's. So you're like, you're like, you'd kill someone to go to open mics right now. I often say, like, I would murder you, Pete, for your hairline. That, that's, where I, <laughs> that's where I'm at. I'm like, I've, I've always been like, I wish there was something where, like, if you killed the person, you get their hair. And I would, like, oh, yeah. look, up, I would look up some evil, like, person who definitely deserves to die with great hair, and I would, like, make it my mission to kill them. Who's <laughs> got great? Who's like what evil son of a bitch had great hair? Saddam Hussein had a solid hairline. <laughs> I show up. I show up the open mic with Phil Spector's hair, <laughs> <laughs> or fucking uh, 
uh, Jimmy Savile, <laughs> that dude from England who fucking was a pedophile. Have you ever seen him before? No. Or I show oh up God. and uh, and and uh, and I've got um, fuck. What's that guy's name? The the runner who has who's missing the legs. Oh uh, shit. Fuck, what is his name? He's got Pistorius? It's like a, Oscar Pistorius. Pistorius, Pistorius. I, I just walk yeah. in with Pistorius' legs. I'm like, apparently, you get people's legs too. <laughs> I'm, like De- a- I'm like Dexter, but my mission is just a better hairline. <laughs> Would you rather have those, like, if you could have any legs, would you, do you think you would do better with like Beyblade, like Transformer legs, or just normal, regular person legs that you have right now? Yeah, regular pair. Regular. What, yeah, what, do I need, what do I need better legs for? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's. Um, I think it, I was just thinking recently that my brand of comedy, if I were like to describe my brand of comedy, it's self-conscious about his hairline. That's how I describe. <laughs> I was like going through the clips I release for the podcast on Instagram. And I was like, I was like 40% of the, the one minute clips of my podcast that I've released have been me talking about my hair. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Dude, I uh, thought about how bad I was in like, in retrospect, my first seven or eight months in Los Angeles and that I felt like I saw an improvement on tape only in the last four or five months before everything happened. As a comedian? Yeah. And so I'm like, I didn't even have the, the luxury of having a brand. I was just guy who had the confidence to move to Los Angeles with no bearing, with no <laughs> bearing whatsoever. And then I, I just feel, did it enough. I feel like, like to, I feel like I described your brand to you before. Uh, what was it? It was like, it was like, <laughs> Guy who thinks he looks much worse than he does. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked. I mean, like, it, I did, I did, for being there for a year, I did, like, way better than I thought I would. I mean, I got booked at the store. I got booked at the improv. I like, never, I've was, never gotten booked at the store. Dude, I don't know how the fuck I got a store show. And it was just like, I did, I did. And then the world came apart. So I'm like, well, that's, I felt, you know. There it is. I was thinking about how, like, I came close to, like, quitting Burt's not long before everything went down. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, like, now there's nowhere I'd rather be. <laughs> it's like, you don't know. You don't know. Well, what you could you technically got. still go. <laughs> you don't know what you got. <laughs> you could technically it's... still go there. Don't know what you got. I think, he's, I think he's, I think that dude is, is running it still. Uh, yeah. Pandemic uh, Vicky's. So, yeah. so, so, you know, you're a big land, you're a big land for the show. Minor, minor celebrity wow. recently yeah, dropped, me. recently dropped hot. How, how'd that episode do, by the way, how did the coronavirus episode do? A lot better uh, than most episodes did. Did you and, break uh, a thousand with that one? No, not at all. Still I, no I, one cares. Still, <laughs> even, still here's here's like still. an episode with like with like pertinent information. The like pertinent information, I like bare my soul in it, and it has something that you think people want to listen to for their own self preservation. Second, you dropped it, I listened. Yeah, um, so it's like I think all all anybody messaged me for was to make sure they didn't give a shit if I was okay. They wanted to go, okay, how am I going to do if I get this? 
And then but that's what. Yeah. That's not a question anyone can answer because it just it hits everybody completely different. So and, different. Um, now, now, you you know you talked about this a lot, so I, I don't feel like uh, anything about bringing it up. You like became sober. And you were like, you were doing, like, what was the hardest drug you were doing when you became sober? Uh, I did, there was like, I kind of bounced back and forth. I was, I was for sure an alcoholic. So I, I, I would drink every day. Mm-hmm. And um, if I took a day off or like a weekend off, it was weird. Um, and then I had phases so I did Coke like every weekend and then I started to do it every day, but then I would stop for like a month or two. And then when I found ecstasy, I did ecstasy every single weekend for like 12 months. Damn. And yeah. And so like I did so much to the point where like, I don't think my brain started feeling like I could retain uh, short-term memory for probably two years after I got sober. Whoa. Like it was just, it felt like, it felt like you were like the memento I would just, guy. I guess it was just like, I would just fucking like, I would lose my keys all the you time. You have a tattoo I would like, on your arm that's like, don't drink. You're like, oh. <laughs> 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 just, just wake up every day and have to fucking remind myself that I'm sober. You have like it was like, you don't do ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, I, um, I had no, like, like my temper was super short. Uh, uh, my dick didn't work for a while. Uh, yeah, it was not fun. So it was just lots of like hard drugs short of heroin and, and meth. But you didn't do heroin. Which I actually, I fa- no, I found out I did meth, but uh, um, I found out from a pee test. I found it. So the night that I like overdosed and, and had to be revived, methamphetamine was in my system, which I didn't know. So crazy. that's fun. Crazy. Yeah. So I guess my question, my question for you is um, what has been a more physically trying experience for you dealing with the coronavirus or withdrawal when you first became sober? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Physical. Uh, so, so, Clinical detox was rough, but I was also going through a super emotional thing because it was like all of it I had to deal with the fact that I was an addict and that I was, and it all kind of collapsed in at once. Mm -hmm. So I'm isolated, kind of same effect. I didn't even think about that. I'm isolated. I was taking all these drugs like to get me off of the alcohol. Um, It was similar. Honestly, it was similar. This was really trying on my, on my mental well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't expect it to be. Being sick for like 12 days is really taxing. And especially when it's something that you don't know if it's going to get better because you hear everybody like with these symptoms that are lasting fucking like four months. And so like on like day 11, uh, I started hitting a really rough depression. Um, and I'm like, this isn't going to get better. Like, I'm not going to fucking feel better. I don't know, probably detox because it took longer, but like this was like, it really fucked me up because I thought I was super, like I thought being healthy helped at, me out more. At least with detox, you can like, like 
their people know what the process is like and it's like it's yeah. like you can be informed like you're at this stage of it once we get to here you'll be here with this yeah. thing it's like hey you might be one of the lucky ones or you might be one of the fucked people for real and then the fact that like one day you could wake up and i have a pulse oximeter and I'm like, I could wake up one day and be like, <gasps> and then like fucking be hypoxic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I went to the doctor and the doctor looked me in my face and said, there's nothing I can do for you, which is yeah. the most terrifying thing I've ever heard a doctor say. And like, I thank God I had a mild case because it's like, what the, like that, that means hopefully, you know, I can, um, if, if I were to contract it again somehow, if that's a thing. You know, which I've it seems, it. which it seems to be. It does. There's no okay. There's no. There's no like actual proof of reinfection. It seems like there's dormant, and then it comes back in people's systems, or it's inflamed again. But why wouldn't it be if? Well, if immunity... I think that I think that leads to another question, which is the thing I've wondered about it because it's like it's a virus. Uh huh. Herpes is a virus. Herpes is a virus that never goes away and just flares up. And there's a part of me that wonders, is this going to be a thing? Like, if you get it, you're just, for the rest of your life, going to... I read a paper on it. I read a paper paper on on it. And, yeah, and and so what they're saying is that resounding, that's a really unlikely thing because coronaviruses don't don't behave that way. Mm-hmm. So they say that there's always exceptions to a rule. So it could be like that for some some people. But overall, if that were the case, we'd be seeing more cases of reignition of inflammation, things like that. But who the fuck knows? I mean, like, we don't know. So, and I think that's an interesting thing, you know, and I think that's something that reveals, like, one of the deep, broken qualities of this country right now is everyone gets so upset like 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 we live in a country right now that's like a no room for error nation it's like you make one mistake you're done and it's like like we're treating doctors and science a lot of people are treating doctors and scientists that way and it's like this is a brand new fucking thing. They're learning yeah. about it. It's like, it's like, you know, get, get over the fact that they were wrong about something before and accept that they know about it now. Cause everyone's like, well, before they were saying this and now they're saying that I'm like, yeah, we'll now do that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It just in like with the vaccine, that's my favorite is when these people are like, I don't know about a vaccine. It's like, you don't have to know. You don't have to know. They do, okay? You don't, it's not your job delivering DoorDash to be like, wait a minute, what if the vaccine doesn't work? It's like, shut up. Go deliver your teriyaki grill order and then let this guy at Oxford deal with it. Well, that's, you know, I actually, I actually have coined a term, if you will. I don't know if anyone else has an actual legitimate term for this kind of thing, but, uh, but I think it actually works especially well when comparing non-scientists, normies, to scientists, which is the thing I call um, hypothesis commitment, which is like uh, a a hypothesis is like, here's my theory. Here's the thing I think. And now I'm going to investigate to see if my hypothesis is true. But I think generally people, especially when there's like this written record of your thoughts on Twitter and Facebook, et cetera, They'll say the first dumb thing that comes to their mind, and then they'll spend the rest of their life 
trying to defend the dumb thing that came out of their mouth on a whim. And like, no matter how wrong you're proven, you are committed to your hypothesis. Whereas scientists are like, here's a, I'm looking at this and like, it makes me think of this. And then they go and explore that. And they're like, oh, I was wrong. I was wrong. My hypothesis yeah. is incorrect. Here's the new thing. But people are like, well, this person's wrong about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's so, like, the, the level at which people are so arrogant and, and sure of themselves with this information that goes against the brightest scientific minds in the world because they have a platform on Twitter and Facebook is mind-boggling. Like mind on both ends. Mind-boggling, mind-boggling. And it's just like, and it's like, and Trump is like the ultimate, the ultimate uh, offender of, of hypothesis commitment. And it's so funny. It's like, it's like they, like Joe Biden, you know, was, was giving a speech and he accidentally said 130 million people died of coronavirus. He meant yeah. 130,000, but he accidentally said, and everyone's like, oh, you're a big idiot. And he's like, I made a mistake. I meant to say 130,000. Right. But if Trump had accidentally said 130 million people died of coronavirus, <laughs> and everyone's like, he's like, you don't know, you don't know. The numbers are saying a lot more people are dead. <laughs> Close to 100. Who knows? They don't know the numbers. Dude, he would. He would. It would be incredible because he would back on everything he's trying to say right now and be like it's going to be more it's going to be, be more it's 100, it. it's I said 100. <laughs> oh my god why has nobody tried to assassinate him yet like i just am like if there's ever been a time when we need a sirhan sirhan like what's I don't well know. i'll tell you this i'll tell you this i mean this is this is something i've really thought about um you know think like like you know, this quarantine has not been easy for me. It's not been yeah. easy. Like, like, thank God I haven't gotten sick or anything yet. But like, you know, like I've gotten dumped. I, I've, I'm going through like a real thing with this company that was supposed to buy my movie. It's looking like they might be backing out of it now. Uh, ah, just, just a number of like, you know, it's like, you know, I felt like I had established a place for myself somewhat within the comedy community. It just seems like that's been like, it's just, it's gone. Like all that oh. headway I'd spent the past two yep. years working on attaining. Um, I literally won the set of the night at the improv at the very last improv mic. And there ended up oh. being no Sunday, no Sunday mic. So it's it's just like, like that makes I, me more anxious than the movie. That's I uh, <laughs> I I just gotten ranked in rose battle. Like things were going well. For, I, I was I was Fuck. like my life had sort of been. But I but what I always do is I go Josh, you know who cares? Because the only thing that matters is that my family is okay right now. Like that. Like whenever I'm like starting to feel down about all this stuff. I just stop myself and I go, you know what, Josh? Like, it's reasonable to be upset about this, but literally who cares when the future is so unknown right now? It's like, it's like, it's like probably, you know, like I'll date again if there's a world. Uh, I've quit stand-up and come back before. I, I, I can yeah. do that again. Um, so my movie's not going to be at this place, probably. It'll be, I'll, I'll, if I have to release it myself, it'll, it'll come out. It's like all those things are, are solutionable. I'm working out, I'm getting in shape, I'm writing a lot, and like pouring through movies, I'm trying to find other, other, other good things. And I keep reminding myself, literally the only important thing right now in my life 
is that uh, is that my parents are okay. But I think, you know, we're leading the world in coronavirus cases. We're like skyrocketing. It was like tons of unnecessary deaths have happened. I can't imagine being a person whose parent died, whose parent didn't have to die because people weren't wearing masks because the president's not wearing masks. And like what my psychology would be about this person. Like, like, yeah. I, like what you're saying earlier is it's amazing there haven't been more like rage fueled things towards this because like I could, like I would feel like my parents were killed by him. My yeah. parents are, they're in Florida. I feel like my parents will be killed by Ron DeSantis if they, if they get sick and, and die. It's, it's like, yeah. like the irrespons- you're looking at the rest of the world who has gotten this thing under control. And we are the biggest failure and embarrassment in the world. And yeah. we can't even, and it's like, I remember saying, like when Trump got elected, I was calling my parents and telling them I was going to move to New Zealand. And they were like, stop being ridiculous. One, had I moved to New Zealand, be laughing all the way to the disease-free open bank right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it would be amazing. You'd be doing open mics right now. I would be, I would be, I would, I would feel like, like I already feel like, like justified in my thought at the time, but just the self-satisfaction I'd have if I was- With a hot, with a hot prime minister. You'd, you'd be like, oh, and, and our, our leader doesn't look like, he fucking, you know, has tits. Like, like it doesn't look like a man with tits who plays golf it's, as exercise. It's just amazing. A female liberal prime minister has fucking led the most successful uh, defeat of this virus in the world. And the yep. other, the other thing is, I told my my parents like, when it seems like we need to get out of this country, we'll get out. And I said, with the yeah, moment, said the same thing. Yeah. I said, when you know you need to get out of the country, it's probably already too late. And we're in the too so late fucking place. True. Yeah. We're in the too, it's already in the too late place. People won't take us. Mexico doesn't want us coming to their country. Yeah. <laughs> They're building the yeah. wall. He did it. Yeah. He accomplished his promise. <laughs> yeah. Mexico. Dude. Especially but, even after this. Um, which I, I do believe Joe Biden will win the presidency. I think he's going to become president. And even if he doesn't, coronavirus will go away. And just things, things psychologically, things, things in a physical sense, nothing can stay at a 10 forever. And so you're going to have vaccines, but then also you're going to have a thing where it'll burn through low-hanging fruit and then it'll run out of hosts. It just, that's how diseases work. Well, except that they say that it might, like you might not, they're like herd immunity might not be an actual thing. It's, it's, that's, it's, it's the whole, I'll send you this paper. I actually read it oh, today. Great, yeah, yeah. Send me, send me the there's, paper. There's so many. That shit, that, that Atlantic article or Vox article or whatever, been debunked a million times. It doesn't mean that there's long-term herd immunity. It means that there's meaningful immunity for at least three months. So yeah. there's cases to be made for places like New York who got hit super hard and now they're not getting hit. Which as hard. is like if we could all just wear if the if it's just like it's so clear what was the right thing to do. And it's yeah. funny. It's funny because when this all started, I actually said the one thing 
that I appreciate about Trump being president right now is he'll probably stop foreign travel into the yeah. country. Yeah. Uh, which, which I was like, I was like, which gave me this twinge of hope about us handling it. But it's like what we needed to do and what we will definitely need to do in the future is we needed to say, stay at home. We'll give you all money to live and we will, we will stop your rent. And we're going to all just like wait out two months for this to go to a low point, And then we will begin the reopening process, but could yeah. not bring themselves was so much more focused on, on, uh, spinning the coronavirus than solving. Yeah. It. He could have been the president who, who defeated the virus and won the election on that. And instead, he's going to, dear God, lose this election. For real. Because, because here's the thing. It's like, it's, like it's, it's so much more important Joe Biden wins because we can't leave the country anymore if Trump wins. That's not an option. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is to certain places now that need our tourism dollars so much that they're going please just come here. We don't care if you bring our, bring the virus. Like Abu Dhabi is like, come on. But Abu Dhabi, but, India is one of the top four. Uh, is, is Abu yeah. Dhabi in India? No, uh, no, 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 it's in, it's in uh, UAE. Yeah, uh, cut, don't worry, I'll cut that out of the podcast. Uh, it's in, yeah, <laughs> exactly right, Josh. It's in UAE. Uh, UAE. Yeah, it's, oh. uh, and then uh, certain places in, in uh, South America and Mexico is still taking people. They don't want to. <laughs> but they still are. But like, huh. imagine taking refuge in Mexico, like as a as an American to go escape uh, a pandemic. You the know what I mean? I, the bitter irony. I had uh, I had written an article, like a comedy article, in during the 2016 election, which the place I posted at took I found took down because I tried to reshare it the other day. Ah, fuck. Of, it was a comedy article, like five places besides Canada to move if Trump becomes president. Oh um, yeah, and uh, and I believe Mexico. I wrote like Mexico was on there. <laughs> uh, Dude, it'd be a like, dope like, place to be right now. I was like, originally the wall being built to keep Mexicans out is suddenly being used to keep Americans in. And uh, I like recommended Mars, Antarctica. I was like, Antarctica, once an icy death hole, has now become a tropical paradise thanks to climate. <laughs> you ever heard of you ever heard of a place called Svalbard? No. It's in the Antarctic archipelago, okay. and uh, it's technically Norway, but they let anybody come live there. And it's so cold and you experience like, you know, however many nights of just night. So like, you know, they, you, they get the solstice. So it's completely dark. And every person has to be armed because there are polar bears that attack residents on a regular basis. <laughs> Wild. So wow. the, and that sounds better to me. Arming myself against polar bears and living in negative 60 degree weather right now sounds so much better to me than what's going on. I, uh, um, there's a really great movie recommendation, Encounters at the End of the World, a Werner Herzog documentary about people who live in Antarctica. Incredible, one of my favorite documentaries I've- I love Werner Herzog. I've ever seen. Well, if you haven't checked that one out, it's one of his best movies, so I highly recommend okay. that. Um, my friend is living in, uh, one of my friends 
uh, married a Taiwanese woman and he's living in Taiwan right now. Uh, what a he was lucky just, cunt. He was oh visiting God. Taiwan when everything, he was visiting her family in Taiwan when everything went to shit and uh, he just stayed. And it's funny because I was talking to him on the phone and he was, or I was talking to him on uh, like WhatsApp and uh, I'm not paying that long. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was talking on WhatsApp and he was saying that, um, he was saying that uh, he really misses America. And I was like, I was like, I get that. But like, let me just ex tell, explain something to you, Dave. Like, like you're like missing your ex-girlfriend, but you're like only remembering the good things about her, but she's not the same person anymore. She's nope. turned into a monster. She's, she's done a bunch of heroin. She's, <laughs> she's, she's like a criminal now. She, she doesn't, the, the woman you loved no longer exists. She's dated some guy named Spike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She has found, blood, like dried blood on her nose all the time found, for like, some this reason. Less beautiful woman who treats you good, and you need to, and you need to keep her because uh, I get it. You know, America, America's that stupid hot chick. She's the stu like the good things about her are the most fun, but she's just dumb as nails, and she's gonna yeah. kill you. Yep, <laughs> yep. It's just, it's just not. It's so apparent how third world we are in a situation like this. And that's what's most shocking is like, people still don't realize it. And the, it's, I don't know. It's, I, there's three stages of America. There is stage one, which is like, which was like the nineties to like early two thousands. Well, mo just mainly the nineties where I was like, America's the greatest country in the world where it was mm -hmm. like scary in my mind to even travel to another country ever in when, when I was growing up and I feel, feel like a lot of Americans feel this way. It's like when, when you're growing up, you just, every other country, all I could, all I ever think about is the, like, what's that Turkish prison movie? Um, <laughs> Uh, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Um, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up real quick. Yeah, I'll look it up too. Uh, Alder Stone wrote it. Um, to me, to me, every other country was just like the fear. Midnight Express. Midnight Express. Every all, yeah. all, all of in my mind, other countries were just Midnight Express. You go there, you're <laughs> thrown into some sort of Turkish prison where just the law is wild and is like built to just just ruin your life. But like now, I like I've learned that like our prisons are worse than anyone's. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> our prisons are the scariest of all the prisons. Um, <laughs> where here I am afraid of a Turkish prison, but that's like that's like a midnight express is like a dream uh compared to the u.s justice system um yeah so, so like stage one phase one is america's the greatest country in the world phase two which was like the bush years when we're attacking other nations and stuff was like maybe we're not the greatest but we're like up there yeah <laughs> they're like because well, that you still want to have your you still want to have your friends back you know what i mean yeah. at that point you're giving reasonable doubt to like you're like maybe maybe afghanistan's bad i don't really know why but like my boy's not wrong you know what i mean like like i still don't want to live anywhere else but it seems like some other places are just like better than us um yeah. and then uh, and then phase three which is right now is like oh 
we're like one of the worst. <laughs> yeah. We're like, we're like, 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 oh, here's like a, here's like a situation that like lots of other places are just fucking handling. And yeah. we are, we have let it destroy us. And not even to be conspiratorial, but, but to be conspiratorial, there is a part of me that like thinks, there is a part of me that does wonder on a certain level, did China like let it get out? Cause, cause like, like just from a logical place, just from a logical place, it's like, okay, I'm China. I'm being, we're being ravaged by this thing. We're fighting to be like the number one world power. Are we going to allow ourselves to be the only country deeply affected by this? Or does it behoove us to let the rest of the world be affected by it as well? So that yeah. like, kind of like we're like somewhat even ahead of the game at that point. And then much like Bin Laden in 9-11, how like 9-11 really was this minor, I mean, a major thing, but like, the 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 power of 9-11 wasn't so much the people, the fucking suits in a building that were killed on 9-11. It was the America destroying itself afterwards. It was all the division it sowed, all the wars we ended up fighting, all of the economic downturn it caused. And it's like coronavirus is this thing that got out there and it's like, and it's just like our culture once again is destroying itself. We are we are letting this thing that is a bad thing hurt us so much more than it needed to hurt us. I think almost the same number of people have at this point died from coronavirus as died in Hirosh in the in the Hiroshima uh, nuclear attack. And when you think about the residual effects of that, that many people plus are sick with this thing. So it's like it's like it's like. An estimated ten times whatever the number is is the real the real number. Yes, is, that's most likely what to what to expect. So let's say that there's like I think there's like an estimated four million people infected right now, or forty four million five hundred thousand, forty forty million forty million people, give or take. So and, and it's 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 also like you know we were this all happened like amid the primaries and stuff where we were mm -hmm. having lots of debates about like is ubi the right thing is universal health care the right thing and now it's like going forward into the future the stability of, of society in this nation depends on ubi and universal health care yep. we are enter like there is a zero question there is no question that we are about to enter historic poverty we are in the midst of historic unemployment. Uh, there is going to be a crisis with evictions, housing, and and you know the, the the number one thing that I feel like no one ever fucking thinks about. You know, you hear about a school shooting and everyone goes like, 30 people died in that school shooting, horrible." But you don't also, but nobody like talks about the. 50 other people who are like got shot and lived who like yeah. lost an arm, lost a leg, have like a puncture in their lungs. Uh, just because you survive, you're, it doesn't mean your life isn't altered forever. And if it's something that kills you, surviving it is, is bad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're already, we're already a sick population of people. We're already we're a, a sick, sick population. population of people. 70, 70 million people estimated are obese. 
I think that there's 60, 60 million people or something who have hypertension. Like, and that's just one category. That's one category of person. So you look at that and you have to, you have to think that people have these pre-existing conditions anyway. Add on top of that a virus that, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not like the pinnacle of health and fitness. I work out five to six days a week. I haven't eaten sugar uh, you the know, in large quantities in the open, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, okay. I have, I have abs. I, you know, I mean, I run. I do all the things you're supposed to. Ab. It took me out. It took, <laughs> <laughs> it took me out for 14 days, and and it's I can't I cannot imagine being anything less than than in a position of going. Okay, I think I I think my health is okay, and, and your that's body most is of the also- fucking country. And your body's also like like accustomed to dealing with just like nightmare stuff <laughs> yes. in its system. Yeah, yeah, it's you're, so true. Like it's just you've already, already yeah. so much out. So many fucking toxic chemicals, so much sludge. Like I'm like I have like Artie Lang's system and fucking you know I it, your it lungs just, your yeah. lungs are coated. Are you have you have like a protective layer in your yeah. Lungs. You have more dangerous shit than the coronavirus in there already. Yeah. It's, so, so my system effectively neutralized the coronavirus with <laughs> the already blackness that existed on the inside of it. But uh, yeah, the weird thing is you have to have a president now who does something the same way that uh, Roosevelt did. Was it Roosevelt? Roosevelt? Truman? FDR? Who, FDR, who, who proposed... Um, uh, uh, social security um, and came up with things to say, okay, we're going to combat this. So there does have to be a new leader who says, we're going to go forward with these historic changes. Well, that, that has to happen. It's my, I take, I take a bunch of flack for, for believing this. Um, and I am a, I am a two-time Bernie voter. I voted for him in both primaries. I wanted him. I mean, I actually wanted Warren, but voted for Bernie because I recognized, yeah. uh, I recognized, I regularly recognize the realities of situations. <laughs> I just don't get why Bernie, I don't get how Bernie didn't make it through. It, I, I, I get it. He's, he's, as much as I love him and as much as it's not his intention, he is divisive. Um, but here's, yeah. here's, here's the thing, you know, I know, I know things Joe Biden has said. I know he says he would veto a universal health care bill. I know like he, he wasn't like coming out for UBI. But I guarantee you, a universal health care bill makes its way through Congress, makes its way through the Senate, lands on Joe Biden's desk. There is no fucking way in hell he is vetoing that bill. He is no signing way. it. He is signing. No yeah. He gets to be the president who signed the universal health care bill. That is legacy yeah. making, legacy changing. I don't care whose interests you have have uh, have at your at your account. You you are all of a sudden bigger. Your ego becomes bigger than your interests at the point that bill lands on your desk. Um, yeah. And I think that like you, we think about things like universal basic income, I'm sorry, 0% chance that, I mean, almost 0% chance that happens with Republicans in office. But, you know, Andrew Yang endorsed Joe Biden, I think in large part because Joe Biden probably made some 
sort of backroom deal with Yang of some sort of position in his administration. I'm sure he did. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure of it. Uh, it's it's just it's just very clear because Yang was very much of the Bernie team up until yeah. the moment he endorsed Biden, and it's like okay, you're now you're now in this cabinet. There, there will be an openness to hearing this person's idea. His idea has become more mainstream and there is going to be a demand for it. So I believe that if Biden is able to win, if we are able to get a Democratic House and Senate in there, that there is a greater than 0% chance that we will have universal health care and we will have universal basic income within the next four to eight years, uh, if not sooner than that. And that um, because they're just very clear necessities at this point. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it's you don't I mean, it's you don't move forward on a wing and a prayer that Amazon and all of these other billionaires are going to carry your economy into greatness in, in you know, some sort of perceived land of, of, of liberty and greatness, uh, exploiting people at the bottom on their way there. It just is not, it's, it's not working anymore. It's not sustainable and it's proven to be not sustainable. You can't exploit these workers the way that you're doing it. And then now you're going to have, you know, fucking 30 million people unemployed. So, you maybe, know, maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm naive, but it's what I, don't, I yeah. it's what I, I think. don't think you are. I think that's, I think that's an absolute, uh, I don't even know if it's a possibility. I think it's, if you're a democratic president, and you win this election, I think that's the intelligent move because you go, we're at a historic crossroads where it requires historic movement forward to unite the people of this country or have it be something catastrophic. So, and it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I kind of look at, I look at Biden as having an opportunity to sort of be an LBJ uh, in that, um, and that he's Spanish for the blowjob. No, uh, he. <laughs> uh, uh, and by LBJ, I mean LeBron James. Um, no, uh, <laughs> the LeBron James. No, in that, um, in that, I very much think you know Kennedy is kind of like the symbol of like of that time. But yeah. if you really look at what Kennedy did. It's great that he helped us get out of the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, just looking at how things are going right now, uh, could you imagine Trump in that situation? It'd be something similar to this. I said for the first three years of Trump's presidency, at least we haven't had to deal with a crisis. <laughs> yeah, God damn it. And, uh, and, of, and of course, you know, like, um, I often think about something Hillary said when she was running against Bernie. Um, which he goes, it's great that Bernie makes all these promises, but 95% of being president is dealing with the things that happen and 5% is working on your promises. And yeah. it's like, well, we're getting, a, we're getting a real good look at dealing with the things that happen uh, yeah. right now. And, um, but it's helping him get his wall promise. <laughs> Uh, but, but, but I think that, you know, we have Kennedy who really didn't really do that much. And then Johnson, who's not nearly as celebrated as Kennedy and certainly, you know, had fucked up things like Vietnam, et cetera, but also was like the guy who got civil rights done. Uh, the guy who got, um, I don't know if it was like Medicaid or, or, or social, he, I think he might've been him who did, but, but he got, he got a lot of security was right after the great depression. Okay. So, Medicaid, and I think it was everybody, 
Medicare. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got a lot of the most like like lauded, celebrated, like progressive things done, and I don't think people would have thought of LBJ as like this great progressive beacon and more like a Joe Biden. And we look at Obama, who got who like has a little bit of legacy, but but I think is is most powerful as a symbolic president, and I think that there is a lot of power to that symbolism. But like here we yeah. might be able to get Joe Biden, who ends up just by happenstance actually making the changes that that Obama sort of symbolized, despite not being this progressive beacon. I think he is a, a symbol for somebody who you would rather bring your problems to because he's the list and kind of is easier to persuade into making the decisions that the country needs in order to progress. The guy that's in office currently is not that guy because all he cares about is, you know, is what Obama did wrong and who he proclaimed the other day that they've done more tests than Obama. And it's like, I just, I don't know. Let's give him credit. That wasn't a lie. That's not a lie. Yeah. Because more tests than Obama. Credit like, yeah. where credit's due. I just remember Joe Biden tweeted, I'll read my briefings. And I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> where we're at. That's the bar like the, that's, is that's the, set. Has uh, has been said, but it's funny, you know. That's so fucking funny that he said that. That's so fucking funny. Like well, his cognitive ability is in question, and he throws that out there. I've said this. I've hey, said just this. so you know, I'll read. I've said this on uh, I've said this on the podcast before uh, when I was talking about Tiger King. You know, it's funny we watch Tiger King and like every and Joe Exotic is the far more likable character on. Did you watch Tiger King? I watched some of it, yeah. Yeah, okay. So Joe's, Joe Exotic is the much more entertaining, charismatic character. And a lot of people have compared Joe Exotic to Trump. And what I find very interesting is I look at Carol Baskin and I go, she's honestly even more like Hillary than Joe Exotic is like Trump. And it totally makes sense that like everyone loves Joe Exotic because he's the funny, he's the funny off the rails, unhinged, unhinged sociopath of the two sociopaths. But- if I had to pick one person between Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin to be president right now, I'd want Carol Baskin who gets things done, even if those things yeah. are killing her husband. She gets, yeah. Them, yeah. gets them done. She's, she's confident. Joe Exotic loses his farm. Carol Baskin yeah. builds a farm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, do, I do have a hard time. I think, I think Biden has the ability to unite and I don't know if, if Hillary has the ability to unite. No, no. So I think, uh, I think she would have prolonged another, uh, like a potential Trump election. I, I don't probably, know if either probably. of them. Yeah. Regardless I don't know if, of which, yeah. take it in a heartbeat. Uh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. I, I always say that I think one of the things that people, you know, I always think it's funny. Like I love, I love looking at, at, at the, fault in perspective the fault in perspective about things like um i don't know do you remember my joke it was one of my jokes i was doing towards uh towards the end of stand-up existing which is uh my joke about the male birth control pill 
that like um yes they were like testing out a male birth control pill and then woman and then and they decided to reject the fda rejected it because they said it was causing men to have mood swings and then women got very upset uh as they do and then i see and then i go see what i mean uh and then a woman got very upset because they're like that's not fair how come you know our birth control gives us mood swings how come the how come birth control gives us mood swings and that's okay but birth control gives men mood swings and we're like no, no no we can't have that happening and i'm like just to be clear the fda is not trying to protect men from having mood swings what the FDA is doing is trying to protect women from men having mood swings, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like when you look at it from that perspective, it makes a little bit more sense. We're a dangerous, yeah. it's like that Chris Rock joke. Um, he goes, you always hear men talking about the crazy exes they have, their crazy woman that they date, but you never hear women talking about the crazy men that they dated. That's because if you're dating a crazy man, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so so i remember when hillary was running the big thing people would say about her is like she's this warmonger she's this psychopath etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> and i was like yeah that's not good but it is scary it is scary for other countries like if i'm syria or i'm russia or i'm one of these other nations I'm definitely taking a threat from America more seriously when scary ass laughing at Gaddafi being dead, Hillary Clinton is making at me, than dumb fucking I want to be friends with Kim Jong-un, Donald Trump is doing it. So like there is an advantage to the terror of Hillary Clinton <laughs> for other countries. There is like, well, we could yeah. do what she says, or maybe get wiped off the face of the earth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, we, we, yeah, we know she has the ability to to murder people. Like, between, and, uh, between Bush, Obama, Trump, and Hillary, she's the scariest. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's, she's very terrifying. She's the scare. If I am another country, she scares me the most, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Merkel scares me. Like, Angela, just, it's like, it's like, Angela Merkel scares me. She freaks me out. She's a chemist. <laughs> she's dark. She's she never smiles, and I think she has the ability to just be like, "Oh, the U.S. wants to fight about coronavirus. That's fine. Let's do it." Big, big twist at the end of the trilogy. Germany becomes the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> the good guys and the most reasonable. And the, the most, most reasonable. reasonable. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's just funny that it's just like, that it's, it's interesting. Uh, you just, so one, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, you, <laughs> like right at the start of this, traveled back from Europe. Um, huh? I remember being very concerned you were going to be patient zero of the open mic scene. <laughs> you yeah, were like, too. yeah, I was like, I was like, I, like my, my news feed was like you being like heading to Italy next week and Italy <laughs> on complete lockdown from coronavirus. That Dude, was <laughs> I didn't go to, I, my mom texted me, we're in Spain and she goes, don't go to Italy. And I go, okay. And then, so I reroute and we go to the UK instead. So we go to London, which ends up being another fucking hotspot. It all became so, a hotspot. Dude, we missed it by like two days each spot, each mm -hmm. place. We left 
literally the day before they started locking tourists into Barcelona. So we uh, would have had to quarantine in Barcelona uh, for probably like two months. Might have been cool which, though. Yeah. Uh, in retrospect, being stuck in Barcelona might not have been the worst thing. Uh, I have a bunch of American friends there right now and I would so much rather be there. So. <laughs> but, um, but an interesting thing when I was traveling through Europe, uh, a couple white guys talking about their travels, their backpacking <laughs> journey through. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you ever take a siesta? Did you? Did you? <laughs> did you eat tapas? Are, are you joking, Pete? Our life is a siesta. Um, yeah. America is on siesta right. <laughs> We're now. a siesta. Uh, we are, we a, are siesta. a siesta right now. Uh, and I have a funny story about siestas in, in, in a minute. But but. Um, you know, I, I think about like it was very interesting to see how kind of how kind of like still weirdly reeling from World War II all of Europe was like mm -hmm. like World War II is an ever present thing. It was an ever present thing everywhere I went in Europe. Like like did you feel not like only World War II and then but then the Iron Curtain that happened subsequently yes, yes, yes. almost immediately after. Yes, it's, so, it's ever present yeah. in Europe. Yeah. Which and is which which also is to me a reason why I don't I don't subscribe to the belief that and it's it's not a popular thing, but when it goes, oh the America is is gonna be in a downfall. What what I hate is when people think that this is the end of everything. Because this is our first this is our first time in a century experiencing any hardship. I think, the, I think the problem is, though, each new century, the end of the world is easier. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, it's just, but we're, it, just, we're just closer I, to how I'll, easy that is. I'll, I'll tell you what the end of the world looks like to me, and it's an environmental disaster. And luckily, we're still at least four decades away from that. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, hopefully, we don't know. We don't know. Things sometimes happen much faster, faster than uh, than people yeah. people say it will. Yeah. But um, but you know, also like getting closer to four decades from now. I don't think it's going to be like, all right, it's been forty years. Unleash <laughs> global warming. I think it's yeah. going to be like, oh, it's one hundred and twenty degrees this summer. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's so true. Have you have you seen the mail carriers are just dying of heat stroke just, more? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> And it's just these people carrying your mail and everybody's like, yeah, global warming is not real. And then meanwhile, mailman Thompson is fucking dead. You weren't here in Los Angeles for this uh, yet, but a couple years ago, there was this heat wave where it did get to like 120 degrees this one day. And I went for a walk in that at night, nighttime, once it got dark out. And I was walking around in that weather and I, and I remembered being like, if I were to describe what this feels like, the atmosphere feels like being in a hot car with the window down. Like, oh like, God. like it just, it just like, that's what it just felt like to be outside. And like, if the temperature gets to like 150 degrees, you're just literally cooking. Yeah. You're now cooking. You're on fire. <laughs> you're just, po you're just poaching yourself for your own. <laughs> I, I wonder if that's how it's going to happen is people are going to be like, wow, we made it through all this stuff. And then they're going to be like, your skin is really red. <laughs> and then they're going to be like, your skin is really red too. And then just everybody dies simultaneously. 
Well, I don't even know if this is a joke. It's just more my thought. You know, I just feel like a lot of people keep talking about what's going on right now, like it's the climax of the movie. And I'm just uh -huh. kind of like, what if it's a flashback? <laughs> 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 what if it's like, you know, what if it's like the Mad Max flashback to right before <laughs> this happened? God, I think about Mad Max all the time. I have not thought about Road Warrior or Mad Max this many times in my entire life ever since everything began four months ago. One of the funniest things and darkest, scariest things I saw right after Trump got elected was this meme. And it was a picture of Bush on the first day of his presidency and a picture of Bush on the last day of his presidency. A picture of Obama on the first day of his presidency, a picture of Obama on the last day of his presidency. A picture of Trump on the first day of his presidency, a Morton Joe. <laughs> oh my god dude has, has la gotten and he looks uh, like a morton joe like it's has, like if you if you put if he grew his hair along and put on a mask he'd be a morton joe. <laughs> <laughs> has has la does it feel i'm coming back to wait are you in some, you're you're in salt lake city yeah i'm staying in i'm actually staying in uh a friend's apartment in um park city so oh, we're sunday oh nice yeah so, so i got really i'm just in like a little studio so um, your girlfriend i'm coming back your to girlfriend my stuff. lives in utah uh-huh yeah um, so that's where we met oh okay and and you were doing long a long distance thing before and she, then you she actually had just moved to la with me uh in like december oh, and okay. so she moved in December, got her job, was just having it pick up, and then got laid off. And is she going to go back to L.A. with you? Uh, I don't know if I'm going back to L.A. Oh, oh, you don't know if you're going back. I thought you no, at least, not for, at least not for a while. Well, I'm going back to pick up my stuff. Um, okay. So, and, and, because uh, all my uh, kitchen shit is still there, and I haven't cooked a good meal in probably, like, three months and i was just like i just want my vitamix if, if it's the end of the world i just want to make a smoothie you know what i mean <laughs> I, do. And, I do i do uh unfortunately all too well and it's funny like at the very beginning of this i cooked every meal for like months and it's yeah weird. i only started like getting takeout and delivery and like at the point at which they're like all right cases in la are exploding and i'm like you know what i'm getting a burrito <laughs> 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 yeah i've just started like because i have like such body dysmorphia and all this stuff and it just it's probably in the last like two months i'm like fuck it i'm just fuck you know what i'm getting a burger i just i don't have time anymore i don't have I time to be a I bitch can't. i can't i can't do it anymore and that's yeah. and that's and that's maybe like the last thing i really feel and this is and this is and this is the frustrating dilemma that I find myself trapped in where I've been this person who's been trying to be very responsible throughout this whole thing. Like I haven't really hung out with anyone. Um, I've been You're one of the only people I know who that's the case. I mean, the extent of it was like, <laughs> I social distance saw my ex before we broke up for like 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, um, I went on a social distance date with somebody on like a hike. Um, 
and then I social distance hung out with a friend one time on their roof, like sitting like ten feet away. Oh, that's kind of dope, though. That's cool. So that was that was the extent. That's literally the extent of my hangouts for the entirety of this uh, for the entirety of this four months. I'm very alone. I'm very lonely, and like and like I asked myself, I'm like. All right, so oh, I I did I did go to the protests. I did feel guilted and pressured enough <laughs> into, into going. To I went to a couple against my better judgment. I felt like I felt because I had gone on my social distance date prior to the protests, and I was like, well, I did that. I should go to the protest. And then I started not feeling well and I really freaked out hard. Oh, and then I fuck. got and then I got tested and I, as you as you taught me from your podcast, which everyone listening to this should listen to. Um I'm going when I do my intro I'm going to tell people that too. So don't worry. Day 1 through they, 7. They don't have to get through. They don't have to get to this point <laughs> to, hear, to hear my ringing endorsement. Um <laughs> but um but uh but then I felt better real quickly. I mean, I'm su- such a super hypochondriac. I'm pretty sure it was more psychosomatic than anything. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I asked myself, I'm like, if this is all fucked, if we're all fucked, if this world is collapsing and falling apart and there's like nothing we can do about it, um, am I making a mistake? Just like locking myself away for the end of the end of existence. Are the people being irresponsible, the ones doing the right thing? Cause like we're all going down anyway. I don't, I, I guess I feel like if Joe Biden wins, I'm probably going to like continue my responsibility of like trying to like, wait till we get through this. Cause I'll believe that there is potentially an actual end to all this. I think if Trump wins, I'm just, there is. There is an end to it. Even if Trump wins, there's an end to it. It might not be a good end, but let me tell you something. The virus, the virus will end. The repercussions from the virus will echo through, through, through our, our country for a long time. The virus will end based on especially viruses that were far worse in the past. And this like is the something- Like the Spanish flu? Like the Spanish flu, like, like every other virus you can think no, of too. Like, we are we are at this point- over or around one fifth of the way to the total death toll of the Spanish flu in America. That's so fucking crazy. With with no end in sight at the moment. With like with things. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's gonna be a good thing. I'm saying it's gonna end. I'm saying it just is just based on how things go. It will end. It I just, remember. The, you know they. Uh, Fauci said he's cautiously optimistic there will be a vaccine by the beginning of next year. And uh, I retweeted that saying, I'm cautiously optimistic this retweet will get 20 likes. (laughs) Seven. Seven. (laughs) I just want, just so we understand what cautious optimism is. (laughs) Is Fauci, is Fauci, no, he's not. Fauci is 79 years old, by the way. That, that is a man. He is, he's worked with infectious disease, you know, for, for 50 I mean, years. I, I do, but I don't understand the anti-Fauci sentiment. No, I love uh, Fauci. I love that, this, man. In this country, even from a lot of people who I respect that have anti-Fauci sentiment that are taking this seriously. I'm just like, you know, it, you know, people say things like he should resign and make a statement, but I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like if, 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 
if history of this administration has taught me anything, the statement lasts for like one day in the news and then just Trump puts someone worse in the position and that becomes that. It's like- He's gonna put Barron in his position. He's gonna put Barron in his position. Barron will come out. (laughs) Barron will come out and be like, I'm I'm enacting a new policy. Everyone gets a lollipop like when you go to the doctor after you get tested. Okay. This guy I know said this hilarious thing. Um, He was like, he was like, fucking Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern show could handle this pandemic better than Trump. (laughs) He's like, tell everyone to wear a mask. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. Beetlejuice. That that guy's still alive. Beetlejuice. Is he? I think he might have died. Really? Yeah. Is Beetlejuice? Look, look up if Beetlejuice is alive. We can, we can, uh, is we can. Beetlejuice from Stern alive. Yep, he's still. Oh fuck! Nice, nice. Good to know. Good to know. Good to know. Somebody he was born else... in 1968. No, oh, okay. Hang in there, Beetlejuice. Uh, <laughs> all right, Pete. Uh, Thanks for doing the show. I think this turned out to be one of my fave apps. Um, oh, good. I, I say that mostly because of how I felt about my performance sure. on sure. the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knew that without you saying it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but I do love talking to you, and I really miss you, buddy. Uh, you're always yeah, one of my favorite too, people man. to see at mics and hang out with, and and uh, and uh, and it's 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 been real weird not getting to see you and hang out and and chat. So this was nice. <laughs> um, uh, I hope that you get fully better soon. Um, it's, I'm glad it's to see. There. I'm glad to see your 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 semen mostly okay. Yeah, I'd super miss you. Yeah. I found your podcast uh, episode about the coronavirus extremely helpful. I uh, I reiterate that um, much more important than listening to even this episode of my podcast or any other episode of my podcast. Go and listen to Pete's great podcast and specifically the episode where he goes into great detail about, um, about what it was like, uh, his experience going through the virus. It's very real, it's very here, it can get you, uh, you can't be too safe. Um, anything you would like to promote? No, I got nothing. Well, uh, basically I'll be in my your apartment. podcast, your podcast. Yeah, my podcast, Blackout that's pod. it. Episode eight is one of the best episodes of any podcast uh, <laughs> I've ever heard. You should check it out. He's got a really hilarious, incredible guest on that one. I gotta have you on. I gotta have you on again in the next couple of weekends. Please do, please do. I'm happy. I'm happy to uh, to come on anytime. Okay, uh, cool. And with that being said, if you have any questions for me, want me to talk about anything, please be the very first person to email me at quarantinepodcast@gmail.com. <laughs> I will give whoever you are a shout out and answer your question, even if it's greatly disparaging of me. Uh, (laughs) uh, Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for doing the show, Pete. And uh, I will see you next time on the show. All right. All right, buddy. Good to see you. Good to see you too, man. Take care. And uh, and hopefully, hopefully we'll see each other again soon. Yeah, man. Stay up. Talk to you soon. Later, buddy.